We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's And welcome to the Pavilion Performing Arts Centre in Sutherland for this week's edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and please welcome our panel. It is Luke Heggie, Wendy Harmer and Tommy Dean. With the music, it's the pleasures, Catherine Britt and Lachlan Bryan. And our audience this week from Sutherland, Sutherland, Sylvania and Sutherland. Uh, But first, as always, here is the news from nowhere. Turning 65, as I did the other day, brings all sorts of conversations, both pleasing and a bit confronting. My friend Neil, for example, sings the praises of the New South Wales Seniors Card, possession of which allows you to catch the train to Gosford for (laughs) $2.50. Yes, I said to him, that's fine. But what if I don't want to go to Gosford? (laughs) Go anyway, said Neil, and just contemplate how much money you're saving. (laughs) You can then spend the money you've saved at the cinema, and if you use the seniors card when you're at the cinema, you'll save another $2.50, which will then cover the cost of another trip to Gosford. (laughs) He beamed at me, admiring his own mathematical genius. It's a virtuous circle, he said, in which everything pays for everything else. At age 65, it seems, we take our pleasures where we can find them. (laughs) Not everyone is so upbeat. I have another friend, Sam. He describes being in a wine shop. He spots a bottle of Coonawarra Shiraz from one of his favourite producers. It costs a bit more than he usually spends, but not a huge amount more. It's nothing that couldn't be made up via a dozen trips to Gosford on the New South Wales <laughs> Seniors Card. He decides to buy it, but then idly looks at the back label. It recommends cellaring for 15 years. He's 65. 15 years puts him at 80. He does the arithmetic twice. It cannot be true. So 65 plus 15, you take the five from the 15, and that gets you to 70, and then the spare 10 gets you to 80. Wow, really? 15 years doesn't seem so much, but there you have it. Will he really, at age 80, want to glug a bottle of high-powered Australian Shiraz? Carefully, slowly, he slots the bottle back into the shelf. He sighs, the air escaping as if from a punctured tyre. If this were a film by Igmar Bergman, death would be there at the end of the Chardonnay aisle. His scythe held close in order to not knock over any bottles, saying, Sir, would you care to step this way? We're ready for you now. (laughs) My friend limps home like a wounded antelope just waiting to be picked off by the lions. He hasn't even had the heart to buy a different bottle, one labelled drink immediately. Maybe he'll stop at the chemist and pick up a cheeky bottle of Mylanta. <laughs> if, if one friend is defeated by the calculations about longevity, another is liberated. My pal Annette has just returned from a shoe-buying expedition. Her age? Well, it would be indelicate to say, but she's at least 
plenty something. For her, age is not a barrier to an expensive purchase. It's an encouragement. I've just bought a new pair of boots, she said to me, showing them off. I spent a bit more than usual, but I thought, they'll see me out. I appreciate the impulse, although I wonder how much science is involved. Would she have bought something cheaper had she been feeling a bit ill? Actually, I'm not feeling that well, she could have said to the sales assistant. Make it a cheap pair of Dunlop volleys. <laughs> that should see me through. This is the cruelty of life, as well as its consolation. We don't know our allotted span. One person will be knocking back Wynn's black label Shiraz at 80, sensibly purchased and sellered at age 65. Another will be wishing they'd avoided that trip to Gosford, whatever the savings. <laughs> so there's your choice. Neil's optimism versus Sam's pessimism versus Annette's realism. I know which I'm choosing. Let's choose hope. 60 is the new 50, and 70 is the new 60. I just hope they can redefine death before I get there. <laughs> Maybe death could be the new, I'm a bit tired. In other words, if it were me, I'd have bought that wine. And that's the news from nowhere. Uh, we have Luke Heggie, Wendy Harmer and Tommy Dean. Um, welcome. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, that's very nice. Um, I think you would. I agree that you should buy the wine because even if you don't make it, we can drink it <laughs> in your honour. Because if you, know, if you go out, surely you don't want people celebrating your life. And then, uh, you know, oh, Richard had such an amazing life. He did so many amazing things. And sip, oh, my God, what is this? <laughs> what is this vinegar he left us to celebrate his life? Yeah, you with? want to properly sell it wine before you sell it me, nice. right? Is that the nice. thing? Let, let me check that you're up with this week's news. This is the world's most obvious first question. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Who was put on an earlier flight? Well, this was, uh, well, I, would, I don't know if I'm going too far out by saying Australia's greatest CEO. <laughs> Good player out of luck. Yeah, I think... Tommy, I are think, you trying to get into the executive lounge, the chairman's lounge? It does seem like, I didn't know there was a second lounge, just so we're clear. <laughs> I'm not allowed in the normal lounge. Yeah. So to find out there was a second lounge where the Prime Minister's kids get to hang out in. I hate to break this to you, Tommy, but there's a first lounge called the Qantas Club. Yeah. Then there's a second lounge called, the I think, it's the business class. And then right at the end of that, there's an unmarked door. <laughs> what? And that's the Chairman's Lounge. What? I would just I, I mean, like I've never to, been there, of course. Just but, based on, like, the last few years, I would just like the door to lead to an airplane that flies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it was a really poor choice of words, too, when he said, uh, as you have here, uh, the airline had experienced many ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate turn of phrase, really, isn't it? Because that's the problem, not enough ups, too many downs, <laughs> and without your luggage. What they should have done, of course, is just put um, Alan Joyce's 24 million bonus in a suitcase in the hall with the lost luggage <laughs> and just said, if you can find it, you can keep it. 
I think, I think maybe they could postpone his bonus shares for other shares he doesn't really want on another day. They <laughs> <laughs> could spend a whole business day on hold trying to find the shares he originally wanted and they just cancel them and say, no, nah, you're on this, these shares now. So. Yeah. But, you know, it is interesting that they put a woman in charge. And, and a reserve, know, reserve Bank too, right? And a Reserve Bank. And you know what this is? This, this is actually a, a phenomenon that was a, and a phrase coined in 2005. Have you heard of it called the glass cliff? <laughs> no, it's a thing. It's a thing. When an organisation, you know, gets into trouble, is on the nose, they'll often put a woman in charge. Yeah. You know, it happens. Hospital in, pass. Yeah. In Australian politics, uh, you know, John Kerner, for instance, or Julie Gillard in the UK, Theresa May, it's sort of well-known in politics. It's like, drop those oranges and pad up, Narelle, you're playing in the first. <laughs> and by the way, bring the spray and wipe, the joint could do with a go-over. <laughs> so I think that's what's happened. Well, when, in, uh, in this when, case. When uh, planes start going down, no-one's going to say, oh, it's because Alan took all the copper wiring out before he left. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, Luke? Is it a, a, a copper wiring? Is that a, is that a specialty of yours? You go out looking for copper wiring? Not anymore. Things are going a bit better now. But, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but you learn, don't you? Like, there's a guy that comes by our streets on council pickup day, and I was surprised at how many things were valuable. Um, I'm starting to, I'm just saying, I've got a sharp knife and I'm aware now that cords that plug into things can be other yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we're going to strip this theatre before we leave. Yeah. <laughs> like this one right here. <laughs> but the, the thing about Alan Joyce, now he's got, he's got his 24 million. Mm. That's almost enough to start up a, um, a hot you know, air balloon service, isn't it, between here and Cairns? Yeah. But by the time you get all the add-ons, it's about the same price as a first-class ticket on Qantas. Mm. You know how they do that? You know, they charge for every single thing, don't they? But when, since when did you have to charge for where you sit? Hmm. Otherwise, yeah. you're on the wing. I don't know. What, what is that? And also the way you have to print out your own boarding pass and you have to put, you have to put the, 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 the luggage onto the thing yourself and, and soon they'll, you'll be going up to them and say, your turn left, sir, you're flying the plane today. Yes, that's yeah. right, exactly. Exactly. Did, you know, if you bring on some food, did you bring enough for everyone? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Go, okay, bye-bye. Um, bye-bye, Alan. Uh, second question from this week's news. Who turned 25 and, and no Googling? There was a bit of a giveaway. Google. <laughs> it is Google, isn't it? It's Google. Yeah. What an absolute boon that's been for humanity. What? <laughs> I just get every thickhead gets the internet. There's no barriers to entry, is there? Just no. straight no. in. No, Everyone can have it. Go for your lives. Yeah. Like I don't mind idiots. Don't worry. But like they used to know what they were. <laughs> <laughs> they were better then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a bit of a. I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. Um, because, you know, in the old days, you know how you never hear jokes about interfering mother-in-laws anymore? It's not because of political correctness or feminism. It's because your mother-in-law is too busy hassling and trolling people on Facebook to nag you. 
And they've sort of outsourced all the nagging to, you know, lots of websites. Like, for instance, I came across this website the other day that said, oh, what was the name of it? It said, um, six things you're doing wrong with towels. <laughs> mm. No, six ways you're mistreating your bath towels. I mean, who needs to be nagged by a real person, you know? Remember when the internet came out, they said it would bring humanity together. That, that doesn't happen, does it? Yeah, it's been the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And it ruined attentions. Like, what I find fascinating about search engines is that you put in, say, you know, bath towels, and then it'll say, we have returned 18 million results. And you're like, ah, oh, the first one. <laughs> Nobody goes past the first page. That's the whole argument of search engines. And if you're not on the first page, you're dead. Yeah, that's it. And yet they just, they, if you, you know, there's a million pages behind because mm. bath towels are quite an extensive subject. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, I don't, before you go on, I think all the women in the audience are really asking, how can you mistreat bath towels? Am I right? <laughs> Am I right, ladies? I can tell you a couple of ways. Well, apparently... I think, I think letting, your husband, letting your husband use one is probably... Yeah. <laughs> apparently you don't hang two on a rack and um, you don't overlap them. But um, hopefully the person who wrote this is now in jail and he's only going to get one bath towel for the entire duration of the sentence. That's what I'm hoping. And in prison, though, I don't know this from personal, yes. but they're those little scratchy ones that won't quite go around. You don't know that from personal experience? No, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I haven't served any lengthy sentences. But, you know, I want to say the other thing. I don't know whether you think this is good or bad. I I'll, 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 don't know whether... I'm, I'm a bit... You know, undecided. You remember in the old days, I mean, no one under 25 remembers when they didn't have a, um, a, a computer in their mm. pocket, right? And the internet. And remember where you'd be at Christmas lunch and a whole argument would break out about, oh, 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 what's the name of that actor who played Jerry King, who flew the helicopter in Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, you know the one, you know the one, the one, the one, and what would happen is, in, in the old days, Luke, you're young, a bit younger than us. I know, you crack the open days, the back of the fan tails, yeah. sort it Well out. that's right, you'd be going through old TV weeks, <laughs> you'd be asking the next door neighbours, and this thing, this argument would just fester and fester and fester, right through to Australia Day, until <laughs> your brother-in-law would walk in the door and say, Tony Bonner, I told you... <laughs> I was right. Now, you know, I mean, in the old days we used to treasure smart people and as soon as I know who they are, I've Googled it, I'll tell you who they are once I've Googled that. But, I mean, do you think it's a good or a bad thing that you don't have those fights anymore? Well, the trouble is you don't train your memory, though, because it's so easy that you don't have that process of, Tony Bonner, who was it? And bring, bring it to the, you know, get, going back it into the actually, library. It was Jack Thompson, by the way. Going back into the library of your mind. That's what happens, isn't it? If yeah. you don't use Google, you have to, you're forced to go and, 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 and make a polite request to the librarian who was the helicopter driver on Skippy, and the librarian will say, would you just wait a second, sir? We'll go and consult the stacks, you know, because you'll place it there somewhere carefully and then she'll come back about 15 minutes later and say, sorry, we can't find it anymore, sir. <laughs> but I'm living for the day where uh, the singularity happens and we can apply algorithms to our own brain uh, because I think it would be handy to use some of the search engine technology for our own memory. Like, that would be a lot handier. Just on simple things, uh, like at work. I encounter a lot of people at work and I can't remember their names. And that's insulting to some people, I find. And what's weird is, people are more insulted if you have a go. 
Like, if I just stick to your classic mate and doctor, <laughs> they seem happy with that. Oh, he knows I'm a doctor. That's good enough. But I'm like, hey, what's up, Dr. Jack? And they're like, oh, I'm Dr. Mark. And you're like, oh. And now he's mad. And now I have to work out what specialty he is. Oh, great. He's the colonic guy. <laughs> now he's going to be all up in my business. <laughs> but it'd be nice. I think it'd be nice to have that flip-through chart. Yeah, yeah. And not for trivia night. Like, I think that's one of the reasons trivia is very popular again, is I think that we like searching our minds for those facts. Who is Tony Bonner? Yeah. So we go sit in a pub full of people and drink beer, which, as we all know, sharpens the brain. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I just got a feeling when I, when I request information from my brain, I think it's, it is a library back there, but it's, it's the great library of Alexandria and it's been burnt to the ground and, <laughs> yeah. and sacked by vandals. Well, it's been, it's been flooded under how much wine? <laughs> yeah. It was just that one bottle of good Shiraz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm going to tell you the funniest story about trivia nights. I've hosted a few. Now, I, um, I hosted a trivia night uh, once for Riverview School, you know, a very tiny, you know, upscale Riverview School where Tony Abbott and, you know, Barnaby Joyce went. And as I, I hosted um, uh, this particular night for them, and at the end of the night, I was awarded with a magnum of uh, Verve Clicquot mm. and six engraved glasses, which was very, very nice. I hosted a trivia night at my kids' school, North Narrabeen Primary, and I was given a bottle of low-fat Tia Maria <laughs> and a mug inscribed with the school motto, which was, be sensible. <laughs> uh, we have Luke Henny. Wendy Hammer. But I should say, that is a true story. But I, I, I went to the school principal. I said, that is not a, that's a nag. That's not a motto. So it is now, I aspire, I achieve. So there. You changed the motto. Oh, well, I think I nagged him enough that he, okay. they changed the school motto. I, I mean, thought the motto was going to be off the Tia Maria bottle, drink sensibly. Well, that, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I, I, I did feel a little bit insulted that it was low fat Tia Maria, I have to say. Okay, last question from this week's news. What's the new feature the big supermarkets are being urged to check out? Maybe to get me to do even more of their work for them so they can <laughs> sack more employees. Maybe get us in the, the entry through the loading dock so I can grab a box of stuff and <laughs> <laughs> stack the shelves while I'm doing my shopping. I don't know. There's a part of me, I have to admit, there is a part of me that wants to shave my own ham. Oh. <laughs> is that a euphemism? It could be. I do want to slice my salami. <laughs> if that's what you're asking. It's fun. I've done but it. But I've always wanted to use one of those big radial shavings. So of all the things in the supermarket that they make you do now, if I could just be like, yeah. uh, could I just get 300 grams of a double-smoked ham and I'll cut it. <laughs> but then, I could only do that part. Then I'd be like, oh, by the way, though, could you come back and wrap it in that cool, weird way that only you can do? Yeah, they go out there. Yeah, yeah I have yeah. no idea how they. Once you yeah. unwrap ham, it's unwrapped. Yeah, it's called Woolworths Origami, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's so nice. good. But no, no, you're talking about this. Uh, I know the story that you're talking about here. It's in um, it's in the Netherlands, I think. Is yep. it? Yeah. And uh, there's a supermarket chain called Jumbo, and what the people you know who are worried about people being lonely and so forth have come up with is this idea that there will be one checkout aisle where if you're lonely, you can go 
and talk to the cashier. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is, they're doing this. I don't know whether it's the 10 topics or less aisle, but anyway, that's, <laughs> that's what, do you think that's a good idea? Oh, I think it's great for old people, yeah. I, I'm more concerned there's a, there's a loneliness researcher. I know. That's a job. Yeah, I know. But I think what would be sad is you go in there, you go, I'm just going to stop in the jumbos, and uh, by the way, that's Netherlands for large, and <laughs> get some milk. And then, like, you're just gonna, about to go into the express lane, and then you look over there, and, like, everybody else is lined up waiting to talk to the checkout <laughs> chat lady. And, but then the problem we just that, why don't you guys just talk to each other? <laughs> Maybe instead of, like, making it a point of exit, just have, like, one aisle. Aisle seven is look at stuff and talk to people. <laughs> just have, like, a browsy, chatty aisle. Yep. But they, they should come to my supermarket, Woolies at Narrabeen, because there's a lovely lady there who I love, but a lot of people don't like going through her aisle. But she sort of chats away as she rings up your stuff. Mm. Oh, three packets of barbecue shapes, a jar of salsa and some cheese Doritos. Are you having a party, Wendy? I go, no. <laughs> no, family's away for the weekend. That's my dinner. And... Um, <laughs> Sometimes I hear the people going behind me. But she's also great because she allows me to, you know, she holds up the line where I said, I've just, oh, God, I've forgotten. And I, and I go and get the six-pack oh, of Magnum. Oh, you're not that person, are you? Yes. You are that person. I am. I am that person. She lets me do it because I've forgotten the, the six-pack of Magnums. And, and then you think... the almonds in, they're very good. Oh, and you think no. they're in aisle five, but they're actually in aisle six, and then you realise when you get there that you don't know whether you want, want the big ones or the mini ones. You have to ring Brendan, and then, you have, and then the, the, the sky is... Well, just be patient. What's your big well, hurry? Because, just to be straight, because, people behind you in the queue, like waiting to put theirs... No, I don't care. People them, behind... <laughs> Clearly. Oh, People behind in her. Fact, I it's say, a social outing. Yeah, I say. <laughs> not there just to be going in and out. I know? say we bring back writing checks to pay for your groceries. Oh. And why not? Oh, that was so good. Remember that? <laughs> oh, I got my checkbook right here. Hold on just a second. Just a second. <laughs> oh, do you have a pen I could borrow? No. What aisle are pens on? I'll just go get a pen. <laughs> and add that to the. You know, you're either in the, look. We're either in this social contract or to get. I don't mind if people. You know, yeah. there's plenty of places. I mean, think of the old days. You still can walk into the butchers. You know, and he'd be go, "You'd be wanting a sausage, wouldn't you?" And it was fantastic, wasn't it, ladies? <laughs> we just loved it. It was great. Would you like to slice your own? Yeah. <laughs> we have Luke Heggie, Wendy Harmer, and Tommy Dean, our wonderful audience here at the Pavilion at Sutherland. Now, the former US President Barack Obama was so refined and Harvard-educated that he wasn't able to swear properly. This, says a new book, uh, was the view of President Biden when confiding to friends. Biden, apparently, says Obama, was unable to deliver the F-word, quote, with the right elongation of vowels and the necessary hardness of consonants. (laughs) It was, says Biden, how they must curse in the ivory tower. So how do you get swearing right, and what are the words you can use when you want to convey the emotion of swearing without actually doing so? And with great trepidation, I ask Luke Heggie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got to get kids early and teach them when they're young. By the time they're adults, they'll be be using it as punctuation in most sentences. And that's, you know, that's how we are. I don't know. I don't have any... um, other alternative words, I'll just go for it. Yeah. Is, is it all about the, he, he's talking about the, the consonants being sort of thrown out with, with sufficient 
the more Force. hard, the better. I'd love to give lessons after this. If I could monetize, <laughs> if I could monetize how to swear. What a life! What um, what age are you suggesting that the the Zero. youngsters? What? Like straight up, get them yep. used to it early. Yep. It's like any, it's yeah, like there's sleeping. There's a scenario yeah. there, you know. Um, what, you go in the babies, you know. The, 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 this is the ABC, their, Wendy. I'm not they're throwing their t- teddy out of the cot. Well, you, are you going in hard even? You say, come on, old chap, that's, that's enough of that. I'm not giving examples here, but yes, absolutely. You, you, you've, you've, uh, you've worked in the building trade. It's hard to imagine the building trade without the recourse to some swearing. It wouldn't work. It'd come to a grinding halt. Yeah. <laughs> Australia, the Australian economy would burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need a G clamp, you need an O-ring, and you need an F-word, don't you, to yeah. build anything? <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, how, d- but sound the authentic, time. I'm a little concerned about uh, Joe Biden's description of the problem. <laughs> you know the problem yeah. with that Obama chap? <laughs> he doesn't elongate his vowels properly when he says swear words. <laughs> that sounds a little uppity. Yeah. It sounds a bit ivory tower, right? Well, a little ivory tower to me. Like, I think Joe knows both ways. Um, I, 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 I'm fond uh, as where as well, but I, I like, I also like the fun differencing, uh, like my favorite swear that I've used for, uh, my whole life as a father is, uh, sugar, my biscuit, <laughs> sugar, my biscuit. It is a funny relationship we've got with it though. I go to the country and do gigs and sometimes they're a little, you know, funny with it. Some yeah. bloke will be going, oh yeah, go on, do it, do whatever you want. Just don't, don't do any swearing. And then someone will be, his wife will be behind him and go, I told you, wait in the car. And then get back to talking to me about not swearing. You go, I think that's worse, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you took the swearing out of your act, you wouldn't be there long, would you? Oh, it's, <laughs> I have nothing to, there'd be no words. Yeah. But you could kind of bundle them up too. Like I remember another one that used to make me, because sometimes, you know, with the three kids, when they're all toddlers, they really get on you. Mm. Um, but, you know, you didn't want to swear and make them feel bad, but it felt like I was still pointing out the authority of the parent. Yeah. So sometimes, say, my son would do something terrible, and I'd look at him and just say, you little mother father. <laughs> And I thought that told it like it was. Oh. That's who he is. He is a mother father. <laughs> there are some words you can use. I, I, uh, my wife wrote police rescue back in the day, which was on Britain. It was on in England quite early. In the, so they weren't allowed. So these uh, you know, police rescue guys, they'd be there and they'd you know, hammer their hands or a chainsaw would come and half lock their leg. And they'd say, oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> and she ended up developing the word mongrel. Because nice. the word mongrel is good. You, yeah, you, good. Mongrels, m- mongrel sounds like it's worse than it is. Yeah. You mongrel! Yeah, See, it's good. Yeah, but it's not your, actually a swear word. You back into that one. I have this weird thing where I have... I use the expression, and I actually do use this. I'm not making up. Holy Toledo! And I actually say that. Now, no one knows where that was first coined, whether it was Toledo in Spain or whether it came out of Toledo in America. Ohio, isn't it? You know, Ohio. But actually, I know why I say it. I only just really, really recently um, uh, figured this out. When I was a kid, did you you watch the original Batman? Yes. With Burt Ward and um, Adam West? We all loved it, didn't we? The original Batman. And um, you remember that Robin used to say all the time, you know, well, he couldn't say, holy F word, Batman, because <laughs> we were all watching as little kids. So he used to say, like, oh, holy. Luke, it would have been useful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> holy Batarang, Batman, or holy Batmobile. Anyway, so um, as you love this story, it's so great. As the show went on, it got weirder and weirder and weirder 
to, um, and I would have loved to have been in that writer's room. And in, so in one episode, Batman notices a clue that three letters are missing from a bowl of alphabet soup. <laughs> and Robin is so impressed that he says, holy uncanny photographic mental processes, Batman. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? And there was another one. This um, was um, and this is very much later in the series, where I think they were just like you know they were just going for it. And um, there was a supervillain who was using um, the fruit persimmon in a truth serum, you know, like this one. And Robin says, "Holy astringent plum-like fruit, Batman!" <laughs> and then Batman replies, "Only astringent until ripe, Robin." <laughs> Which is so great. So I think that after Tommy does his hat of death, we should say, holy comedic word associations, Tommy. Heck yeah. Instead of WTF. That was amazeballs, you know. Speaking of which, are you ready for the Wheel of Death, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you to our audience here. As we... In Sutherland. As we approach it, I should point out, there are never the letter Q in vegetable soup because they're too hard... Is make. that right? Yeah, because O and Q, the little bit of pasta you need to make the Q would look just like the O. Holy useless trivia, yeah. Tommy. <laughs> Wendy, will you be kind enough to select a topic from the, the hat of death as, um, and thank you to everyone who suggested topics. The topic is? It is opera. Opera. Thank you. I, I, said, to, I, I, said, to, I said to the lady who gave me this topic, we'll see how Tommy goes with this. <laughs> I said in a small, nervous voice. Well, I don't know why you would be worried about how I would deal with the topic of opera, one of the finest and highest art forms ever created by humankind. It is, uh, I believe, where joy becomes manifest as happiness. <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens in an opera. <laughs> what? Yeah. Huh? I don't know if you've ever been to an opera, but they just have <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> I have been to six different operas at the Sydney Opera House, which is the house where opera is to be had. <laughs> That's how good it is. They had to build a very specific house. <laughs> you can't just have, like, opera, you know, off-Broadway. There's no off-Broadway opera. No. You know, if you're going to go to opera, you're going to the opera house. Yeah. That's where it's at. Mm. And, and yet it's, a, it's, a, it's a, of the people. It's not like the opera palace or the opera castle. It's the house. It's the home of opera. And we can all join in the happiness that they have. Now, here's why I think all of opera is happy. Because of all the ones I've ever been to, uh, they come on stage. They sing with great magnificence. Uh, they dance around. They're very deeply involved emotionally in the happiness that they are having. And uh, the problem is, I don't know Italian. <laughs> but since Italian is a romance language, I can only assume that only good things happen when people speak Italian. I'm pretty sure that World War II was just a mistake. Just a little grammatical problem. The Germanic languages didn't understand the Romance languages, and things got out of hand. But luckily, opera put it back on course. What about all of the, all the, uh, you know, the, the characters with tuberculosis dying? They don't die. Falling you, off parapets. No pay it. They don't fall off. They, they just love to nap. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen The Crucible? Yeah. The Crucible is just an Italian word for nap time bed. <laughs> That's what it means. Don't you guys know other languages? 
<laughs> it's embarrassing. And also, uh, you, it, it, they always have, and that's what I, I've always loved, the fact uh, that there has never been body shaming in opera. Okay. No. No. They wear, they have fun helmets. Yes. They have fun outfits. And then they just invite the biggest people to come out and sing the happiest songs. <laughs> opera is a celebration of life and all that it can be. There's one opera where, um, uh, famously, uh, the woman is uh, the, the main uh, uh, soprano is, uh, for some reason, to do with the plot, is, is, to, is put in a sack and carried off stage by one of the suitors. Uh, in this particular production, the, the, uh, the singer was of... of, of, of uh, of great uh, happiness. Of great happiness. Uh, and so the stage directions call for the suitor plus his brothers, numbers one, two, three, and four, to help carry the sack. Morbidly body positive, some yes, might say. Yeah. Yeah. Morbidly body positive. Body positive. Oh, I like yes. that. Well, yeah. they just really. deal. They deal with fun things, you know, just stuff that you do every day. That's, it's, like, that's, it's so accessible. Opera is the art of the people. Uh, like I saw one. It was just about a guy uh, that gets a haircut. I see. Yeah, like the whole thing is just you know he wants to go. He's got. He's like he loves his barber. Was this, uh, was this set in Seville by any chance? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. barber in Seville. And he was the best. It was the best. So this guy just goes down, and then it's all about his friends, and they have chats while he's waiting to get his haircut, and then he gets his haircut, and then everything's everything happily ever after. Yeah. He's all neat, shiny, tidy, so good. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, the because we, we have a lot of opera singers on here. Yeah. Like, my theory is, we have opera singers come on TGIF, and... Well, we uh, had Aida the other day. Yeah, we have to put them at the other end of the building. <laughs> uh, to protect everyone. But my theory is, nobody... You have to train your whole life yeah. to be an opera singer. You yeah. can't just step up and do it. They, their whole lives dedicated. I can only assume that you would do that for joy. Yeah. Nobody would spend their whole life dedicated to misery... <laughs> With the exception of country music. <laughs> That's where country music singers go. Happy people go into opera. Nothing, nothing good. Have you, what is happier than a butterfly, I ask you? <laughs> Imagine running a house of ill repute full of butterflies. <laughs> Madam Butterfly. So happy. The entire show is about people coming into a pleasure palace and leaving happier than they were. <laughs> and so to the woman who gave me that topic, thank you very much, and um, I told you so. Uh, does, does he die, ladies and gentlemen? Does he live? Here he is. And thank God it's Friday. You know what is French? In French, do you know how they say happy? Le miserable. <laughs> I am happy. <laughs> Saw that too. Uh, That's a good time. Yeah. Uh, now the state government is advertising seven. Oh, Wendy, you forgot to say that was wonderful. <laughs> oh, holy, amazing, comedic association operatic improvisation, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the state government is advertising seven permanent jobs to join the painting team on the Sydney Harbour Bridge. This is true, just like Paul Hogan used to do. Is painting the Sydney Harbour Bridge the most Aussie job ever, or are there other contenders? Wendy Harmer. Well, the most Aussie job ever, of course, 
is being a custodian of this big brown wide land and keeping the place in good nick for 60,000 years. I think that was probably the pinnacle of good Aussie work, right? But apart from that, okay, I've got a few really Aussie jobs. Um, outside a polling booth on Saturday, giving the correct change from a $20 note for a democracy sausage, a sauce roll and a Vegemite scroll. Mm. What do you reckon? Um, doing over the big banana with a Chuck super wipe. <laughs> um, flogging birdie beetle and caramello koala show bags at the Royal East to show. That's very Aussie. Um, serving up a takeaway order of a cheese toasty uh, at a rose ha- roadhouse in Yass. I think that's right up there. But this is the most Aussie job of all. Being a lifeguard at the Harold Holt swimming pool. <laughs> Swimming pool, you know that, don't you? It's in um, it's in Glen Iris in Melbourne. Yeah, they've also got a Burke and Wills fountain in Ballarat. <laughs> uh, someone is having a lend, but there you go. What are the most Aussie jobs ever, Luke Heggie? I, I mean, I'm quite sus of that Paul Hogan thing. Look, it's a nice photo shoot and everything, but everyone's acting like he just painted over a couple of Sundays one time for a lark. But um, Aussie job, probably euthanising cane toes with a golf club. <laughs> Is it called euthanizing when you do it with a golf club? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's French. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think Wendy covered the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, what, what are the most Aussie Well, oh, yeah, I love the idea of like, the cleaning national. I was thinking of the, there's got to be somebody that cleans the opera house as well, which seemed like that would be more hmm, Aussie than the bridge. The tiles, you mean, the, the white tiles. Yeah, the white tiles. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I don't know if do they clean the opera house. It seems weird to paint the bridge and then just leave the opera house to itself. <laughs> They do. You see them. Well, on I don't there. know. I've never. You see them on. You know. You see them up there. You know. Every now and then. Yeah. You know. I'm starting to think that's why they just maybe. light it up every night with different lights to cover <laughs> yeah. the smudges. Well, maybe. <laughs> what do you no. think they use on the tiles? Spray and wipe or, or yeah. shower power? Yeah. <laughs> it's a rural fire brigade with the planes full of water. No, don't they just dump that on it? There you go. <laughs> oh yeah. And a rural sponge. fire brigade. Aussie oh, as. I yeah. always. We light yeah. them. We fight them. I always think now. I don't know whether this is. <laughs> Um, when I was a kid, I don't know whether this has happened so this happened so much anymore. But when I was a kid, um, you know, men and women's jobs around the barbecue were pretty easily sort of, you know, fairly evenly distributed. But you know, and the men obviously no, apart from the tongs. Oh, and apart from the three bean mixed salad, that was always mum, and you know, the tongs always dad. But the person who now mum could load the esky. But the person who always got it out of the car was the man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that still hold, do you think? Yes, that's why I want my coffin loaded with beers. <laughs> <laughs> Just so all the men will be sure and get me out of the back of the car. Because <laughs> you know you put the beers on the bottom, Wendy, when you do the whiskey. So all the beers go on the bottom yeah. and then the ice goes on there and then the meat goes on top so that when the ice melts, yeah. the ice all goes and fiddle, uh, filters down through the cans and keeps the, the meat dry. So it's a very important thing. So if you imagine in the coffin situation, it would just go... <laughs> and as the body... <laughs> But on a serious note, uh, Aussie jobs, because I think the one thing that Australia has that I don't know, uh, (laughs) I always like to sometimes say, like the rest of the world, like I know, I can only compare you to America, which is not like the rest of the world at all. But (laughs) 
the real jobs that I've always considered the most Aussie here, rural fire department, uh, SES, yeah. SES volunteers, uh, nippers, I mean, sorry, nippers, uh, uh, life, lifeguards at the beach. Yeah, yeah, uh, the nippers, the, tra- the kids who train the nippers, yeah. The kids who train the nippers, but the, the whole surf life patrol, uh, just the entire idea of volunteer service to community uh, is the most Australian thing that I think exists here. Oh, that's good. Mm. But... While they all deserve an amazing round of applause and they all scream of the dedication to community, I do like that they can set that aside and then when you all get back in your cars and drive on the roads, it's all, get out of my way! Get out! Shut up! I just saved a guy's life! Get out of my way! Uh, messy houses are a sign of creativity and should not cause anxiety, according to an academic at UTS this week. Other researchers, uh, re- research suggests dirt and grime can also help Protect children against asthma. Mm. So does your house pass, pass muster? My when, family are very creative. Yeah. They are, <laughs> I've got a dog who's quite creative too at times. So I, I can't even sit down on the bed and be like, a, I'll be on, on half a sandwich or something. Dog's driving itself across my pillow. So my family, are, they are. I love the rebranding of tidiness as psychopath by Grotz. So we used to just clean up. No, nah, not anymore. Now we're just creative. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, you're solving asthma in the young, yeah. aren't you? Oh, okay, yeah. It's well, terrific. I am firmly in the camp messy with uh, the great late Joan Rivers who said, I hate housework. You make the bed, you wash the dishes. Six months later, you have to start all over again. <laughs> Honestly, my kids would have got anxious if their beds were made. They would have gone, what's wrong? Who did this? A mum and dad getting a divorce. You know, they would have been really, really freaked out. Now, uh, one of my treasured books, Richard, you're going to love this stat. One of my treasured books is called A Perfect Mess, The Hidden Benefits of Disorder. Somewhere in the house there. Oh, I haven't seen it for a while, but it's there. <laughs> and my favourite finding in this book is that organised people spend an hour a day filing and storing but messy people spend a mere 15 minutes a day looking for stuff. Mm. Isn't that true? Oh, hooray. You know, I, I can find anything in my house. I just say, well, it's there where you left it on the floor. I, I can find anything. And you think about this, the difference between Albert Einstein and Marie Kondo. You know? <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Mm. Now, Albert Einstein, he said, uh, if a cluttered desk is a sign of a cluttered mind, of what then is an empty desk a sign? Now, you think... It's brilliant. It's brilliant, obviously. And he, he was, a, he was a, you know, he was, you know, loved mess, lived in a huge mess. And you think of him and Marie Kondo, who's the Japanese, Japanese organising guru, Right? Einstein comes up with a theory of relativity. The KonMari method increases the sales of plastic containers at Howard's Storage World. <laughs> There's your difference. <laughs> Who are they? Um, I agree, though, but I would just like to add, this sounds like a scam of academia, that once you've attained whatever academia this researcher has, and people just all of a sudden writing off problems they have at home, uh, academic research has shown that if uh, your wife would just take her tone down a little bit, <laughs> maybe life would be happier at home. <laughs> but uh, get out of this creativity. But I uh, just I think asthma is not even where you should stop. Like I wipe down all of our kitchen surfaces with raw chicken. 
If you're going to work on the kids' immune system, go big. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the winners and losers? Luke Heggie. Uh, I've got a winner. It's uh, Riza Bellucci, a man from Florida who made a contraption, fourth attempt to cross the Atlantic and a hamster wheel that he made for himself. <laughs> yep. He got 70 miles into a 4,000-mile journey to London and the Coast Guard got him, convinced him to get on board. So try, try again, mate. Keep going. That's a... Wendy, who were the winners and losers of the week? Well, I mean, I, I, I lost my glasses and Luke Borrett let me, let me in, so I'm going pretty well. Alan Joyce um, won, I suppose, uh, travelling public nil. I think all the people in here in Sutherland are the winners on the night. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Suck up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, I would just like to say Sutherland, generally good, but Oyster Bay can get stuffed. <laughs> I don't know who those pretenders in Janali think they're fooling. <laughs> Como, you kidding yourself. <laughs> you kidding yourself, Como. <laughs> Sutherland's where it's at. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, I'm just, uh, just all of it so excited. First of all, I'm excited about the new opera season that is debuting. <laughs> that is going to be very exciting times. Uh, this is the, my favorite month right now in September. We're at the pointy end of the AFL season. Uh, in fact, I'm going straight home tonight. Uh, the Sydney Swans play the Carlton Blues in the first elimination final. Very excited about that. What about Ange Postacoglu? You've been watching him in the Tottenham Hotspurs? Oh, no. Oh, well. Because that's I, not... I've been going for the Spurs for years. I'm a bit excited. Well, I'm excited too for you. Thank you. Very excited. The, uh, the I thought you liked soccer. I like the Matildas. Oh, right. Whatever they're doing. If they want to switch and do something else, I will watch them do it. <laughs> We all love the Matildas, ladies and gentlemen. We all love the Matildas. And we all love our panel. Please thank Luke Heggie, Wendy Harmer, and Tommy Dean. Catherine O'Loughlin from The Pleasures. Thank you for being part of Thank God It's Friday Live from the Sutherland Pavilion. Next week, we're back at Ultimo with Gabby Bolt, Tommy Dean and Tahir. Music from Greg Arthur. Until then, from sunny Sutherland, I'm Richard Glover and Thank God It's Friday!